Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT on a summer Friday. What happened? Oh, I guess the season's about to start. Welcome to Raider Nation Radio 920 on your AM dial, the Raiders mobile app, lvsportsnetwork.com, and you know we're brought to you by PTs. Get ready for the games with PTs 24-7 pregame specials from $3. Please enjoy $2 Bacardi or Grey Goose and $5 Howler Head Whiskey Shots. They got everything lined up for you. PT's fuels the monologue. Best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2 a.m. As I am in the facility today with Rich Gannon, Matt Millen, Beth Mullins. Uh, The preseason broadcast team is here. A meeting with John Gruden. I just had to jump out of it to be here and host that show. Kind of nice. Just go upstairs to a million-dollar studio. It probably costs more than that to build this thing, and it's incredible. So you are inside the Raider Nation, inside the facility. I'd want to be heard inside the facility. You know Bolitnikoff's listening in the Bay Area. Coach Flores listens in Palm Desert. And I know people sneak my show into their offices here and listen with their earbuds on. Raider Nation Unite. I just tweeted out an old video of me going nuts at a Charger game. I just thought it was appropriate to get everybody going now. It's go time. First ever game with fans coming up Saturday against the Seahawks. Big deal. The ribbon-cutting ceremony out front. I'll be a part of that. Then the pre- and post-game with Eric Allen. Couple of surprises in-game. It's big. Now, it's not a regular season game. That's a month from now. Month from now, Monday night football with Baltimore in town. And a story now is developing with Baltimore. And Jerry Coleman's going to join us, who is the elite Ravens insider. I'm going to get him on today, and then I'm going to get him on the week of the Monday night game to get an update because a lot of their guys are hurt. And Lamar Jackson's had COVID twice. He's not getting vaccinated. And a bunch of these players are not going to even practice together before the Monday night game, let alone play in preseason games. So the Raiders clearly are going to catch a break. They are going to catch a break, the same type of break they caught in the home opener last year when Drew Brees came to town and Michael Thomas wasn't 100%, and that turned out to be a victory. Now, by no means am I saying the Raiders are going to win that Monday night game because Baltimore is banged up. I don't know who's going to be healthy. I don't know who's going to be healthy for the Raiders. Raiders haven't played a preseason game yet. They got that practice session with the Rams and Aaron Donald. And it's a long preseason and a long training camp. But so far, so good. So far, so good. Even with Waller missing practices, and as I've been told, he's fine. And he'll be ready to go. The Raiders, knock on wood, if you're with me, are healthy. But that could change at any moment. I don't predict injuries on the radio. I don't do that. When injuries happen, we talk about it. But I think this team did a pretty good job in the offseason preparing. I think the guys, even the guys they signed, Gerald McCoy, came in in shape, where if this was 10, 20, 30 years ago, someone that came in late would have been overweight, out of shape. The, the modern NFL player doesn't do that anymore. The modern NFL player is in pretty good shape. 
and the Raiders are ready to go. Now, I don't have because I had to jump out of this meeting, nor it's a private conversation Coach Gruden's having with the broadcast team. I'm not expecting many of the starters to play, but I think some of them should. I mean, you've got a rebuilt offensive line, so you've got to get them reps. It's practice. It's a game. It's the only game at Allegiant Stadium. Don't you want to see this offensive line, especially Andre James with the noise and how loud it's going to be, work on snap count? if not with Derek Carr, with Peterman, and just get loose here. Don't you want to see Alex Leatherwood play? Why wouldn't he play? Just came out of college. Played every practice, every game for Nick Saban in Alabama. He should be ready to go. Everybody who can hear my voice, everybody wants to see Damon Arnett play. You don't think he deserves a day off, do you? You want to see Trayvon Mullen? You want to see Trayvon Merrig? You want to see the defense When was the last time Tanner Muse played professional football? I'd like to see him run around and make a tackle or two. And then the depth that they have at the defensive line, on the defensive line we were talking about, I don't need to see Yannick Ngakwe or Mad Max. I don't even need to see Cleland Farrell. You might think that Farrell's got a lot to prove. He doesn't in a preseason game. But if they give him some reps on the inside and the outside, that's fine. My big takeaway for the Saturday game on the field is Gus. Bradley having them lined up right. Having them break the huddle and to see the Seahawks go four wide or to do a couple of different packages with their backups and that the Raiders are able to communicate in their only game at Allegiant Stadium with fans ever. You better work on the communication of getting the play call in on defense and understanding quickly how to adjust. You would all agree with that. So what is the call to action today? Because every once in a while, i got to remind Raider fans, sound off like you got a pair. Here we go. Elevated show at noon when I take over. What are your expectations in this preseason game? You do not have a wrong answer. Because Gruden is very guarded. He should be. He's not going to tip his hand here. He said recently that don't expect a lot of the starters to play. But we don't know what's going to happen. Mariota, I don't think, is going to play. So what do you think? What are your expectations? You're buying the ticket. You're paying for parking. You're waiting in line to get in there. What are your expectations on the field and off the field? Because I'm going to spend a little bit of time in regards to what needs to happen off the field and how everybody wants to get in there and what everybody's going to do. I wanted to spend some time in the monologue to talk about that because I think it's pretty important. That, you know, when we came out of Oakland and came to Oakland, there was a lot of complaint and rightfully so. Everybody in Oakland had the right to complain and blank and moan about the team leaving. And the team left for a better situation financially. Not only better, I mean better by the billions. Not millions, long-term by the billions. There isn't a Raider fan from Hagenberger all the way to the 880, anywhere in the Bay Area, that can put a sentence together that won't admit to that. This has been the, the smartest financial move in Raider history to come to Vegas because now the franchise is going up, up, up and through the roof and they have the best stadium in football because it's a Raiders stadium. And now the Raiders have everything they did not have in Oakland. They have cooperation from a city, not a fan base, because the Oakland Raider fans, second to none, great, the best of the best. But now they have an opportunity financially to succeed. You all know that. You'll see it when you go into the stadium if you haven't already. So that's very important. But now the people that, we were, that were complaining so much about Oakland, remember the, the raw sewage? I saw it. Did you see the raw sewage in the dugout? 
you know, raw sewage in the dugout, the toilet that Derek Jeter used and Catfish Hunter used and everybody used the same toilet that they had in the dugout for 30 years. No, you could eat off the floors here at Allegiant Stadium. You could, you could eat off the floors at Allegiant Stadium. They're shining those floors every two hours. So now you have a better experience and a very loud experience because Oakland was open and very loud. This is contained, and because of the way they built it, it's going to blow your head off how loud it is. But people are complaining about traffic, where to park, what to do. Oh, and I'm not going to have the same tailgate. We want everybody to come and everybody to be happy. What I've been telling people off the air, and I'm saying it for the first time, if you don't like it, there's a thousand people that will take your one spot. Let me repeat that again. If you don't like it and everybody wants you to like it and the Raiders are going out of their way to the best of their ability to make your experience great. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be traffic on the 15. People don't know. Pedestrians, please get the hell off the street. Don't walk in the middle of the street. You gotta, please go into your proper gate. Please get there early. But if you complain, the complaints are going to die on this show because we're happy. We're thrilled about the opportunity that the Raiders have here and what the Raiders can do in Las Vegas with this brand new stadium. Will there be hiccups? Yes. Leave early, stay late, have fun, have the best time of your life. Las Vegas is not a city that complains. We build stuff here overnight. Cranes go into the ground, casinos go up, and people say, holy cow, how'd they build that so fast? Because we have the cooperation of the state government and the politicians here and the unions. Everybody wants to bring business here. We're a tourist town with beautiful communities. I always tell people it's like living in Palm Desert out here where I live. I wake up every day, Carmel Mountains, the weather's perfect other than two months of extreme heat. But it's a great place to live, a great place to raise your kid. And then you get an Uber and nine miles from me to get to the Strip, the adult playground of the world, and then you drop one of the greatest brands in the history of professional sports right on the Strip corridor, and then you have the Hacienda Bridge to walk over from a casino, from a casino where you can place a bet on the Raider Nation, and then walk over to the game with a beer in your hand because it's a free country in Las Vegas. No one kicks you out and tells you to go home after the game. No one says get out of the bar at 1.15 like they do in the East Bay. Please leave. Get out of here. We don't want your money anymore. This is Vegas. You can, there's no clocks in the casino. You can stay up all night after a Raider game. Matter of fact, I will be staying up all night after Raider games. I will be up till 6 in the morning watching the sun come up if the Raiders are winning games. All of that means that this is a celebration today of the Raider Nation in their brand new market, in a brand new stadium for the first time with fans during a pandemic. Everybody should be so fired up. You should be jumping through my phone lines to get on the radio. 702-365-9200. How excited are you? What are your expectations? Now, I don't want to do the big expectation show until the week of Monday Night Football. Preseason games are preseason games. But I think there's enough diehard fans that should have some expectations for what we should see here in this game coming up. And what do you want to see as we go up against the Seahawks? 702-365-9200. Who do you want to see play? Who do you not, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm with you on this. Who would you like to see play a half? Not, not a series. A half. And don't say Derek Carr because that's, that's ridiculous. But who do you want to see go out there for three or four series and maybe get a little work in because you want to see if that player has improved or looks different? Who are those players 
that you want to talk about today on the flagship of the Silver and Black who need to play well in the preseason, either fighting for a roster spot or just proving to you that they're a little bit of a different player. I'm not going to go crazy if Corey Littleton doesn't play. I know how good he is. He had a bad year. I'm expecting him to bounce back. I know how good Gerald McCoy is. He doesn't need to play in this game. But I'd like to see Trevon Merrig. I'd like to see Jonathan Abram. I mean, I play Jonathan Abram every minute of every game the rest of his life until he can prove that he can stay on the field. I'm not worried about John Abram. He's a heat-seeking missile. Hopefully he doesn't throw his head into a pile or his shoulder. But he needs some work. You don't think John Abram needs to find out if he's a box safety and he's coming up to stop the run and all of a sudden the Seahawks play action and he can get back to make sure no one gets behind him? These are professional football players. This is the NFL. You better believe that he needs to play some preseason games. So all of this matters to me, and all of it should matter to you. And I'd like to turn this. What's going to happen during the season is Friday, because after a long week, this will be my 10th radio show. I do two a day. My 10th show of the week is Friday. It's going to be loose. It's going to be an on-air pep rally. We'll be doing remotes at different partners, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And kind of during the week, it's more X's and O's and breaking down the victory or the loss and then previewing the game ahead with some of the best insiders that we have out that are already booked up for me. We got Paul Gutierrez. We got Vic Tafer. We got Vinny Bonsignor. We have Ed Graney. We have all the insiders that you come to expect on this show, plus the best insiders outside the Raider Nation who are going to come in. And then we're going to have a gambling aspect of the show. I'm going to have two to three prognosticators on during the week to talk about the NFL. And then we're going to talk about the national topics because we're going to mix in everything we saw, such as Mac Jones playing last night for the Patriots and what happened there. So I'm ready to go. You're not. Let's get you ready to go so we can get going here. 702-365-9200. Some expectations for the preseason. And bring it. You can be hard on this show. You could get upset if Gruden's going to bench the starters because he's the boss. We're going to do what Gruden says in the preseason. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He's got a Super Bowl ring. I think he's a hell of a coach. And I believe in Gruden's philosophy. I believe in it. Really do. The philosophy of John Gruden was to break this roster down when he took it over. I know it was a 12-win team. He didn't think it could go any farther. He didn't like the fits, and he didn't like the players. He didn't like the contracts. And he broke the roster down to rebuild it in his liking. And it was going to take a couple of years for the team to make the playoffs. But now they got to make the playoffs. Expectations are very high, but I understand what he did. He wanted his players so he would have his type of guys to compete in these games that would go up against Kansas City and match up better. Is it taking longer than expected? That's fair. That's a fair criticism. Why is it taking longer than expected in year four with Carr? Well, last year was year three with Carr, and they should have been in the playoffs. And one game kept them out of the playoffs. One, I, I got three games, first and goal on the four with Mariota. Ryan Fitzpatrick getting his helmet ripped off on a Hail Mary. I got the Mahomes going the length of the field when Kansas City was about to be swept. I can spin how that was a playoff team last year that just caught a lot of bad luck during COVID-19. But there's no excuses this year. As we say, excuses die, the record stands. So in a couple of weeks, I'll ask you for the team record. Don't need it now. A couple of weeks, I'll ask you for the matchup against Baltimore. Don't need it now. We got a preseason game. I want to know if you're going to the game. 
want to know if you have tickets, where you're sitting, when you're going, how you're getting there, where you're parking, where you're tailgating. What are you doing after the game on Saturday night? What's happening here? What are you doing? And what are you doing to make this a great experience? Also, there's a lot of people reaching out to me who are traveling in for the first time, and this is their dress rehearsal. They're flying in from the Bay Area. They got a hotel room. They don't know Vegas well. They're texting me, hey, JT, what are we doing? What are we doing? What's the plan? I just say, hey, get there. Just get there on time. Get there on time, and I'll find you inside the stadium. Chris in West Oakland usually sets the tone on Raider Nation Radio. Hello, Chris. Hey, JT. Welcome back to the world of the five-day work week. Of course, <laughs> us retirees every day is Saturday, but uh, that's okay. Football season's only a few months long. Listen, first off, what you said about the, the stadium. T- tomorrow to me is like the pre-grand opening. The real grand opening is going to be that Baltimore game. You know, I had a chance to come in. I didn't go to preseason games when they were here in Oakland, and I had, hell, I paid for the tickets. But it is going to be interesting to watch. And again, you're right. The Raiders are in so much better spot, and it breaks my heart to say that. Mark Davis did every single thing he could to get the stadium here in Oakland. Oakland wouldn't even meet him halfway. They did nothing. And I'm glad you brought that up, that he actually has a city that will work with him. Because as valuable as that stadium is and how much more valuable they are, if the idiots that ran Oakland would have realized it, that stadium's even more valuable if it could have been built in the Bay Area just because of the real estate values alone. So that being said, is I've come to grips with it. I'll be there for quite a few Raider games. As far as what's going on on the field, listen, you know me, JT. I don't care about preseason one bit. I don't, I'm not impressed by anything. You're right. Cleveland Farrell does have a lot to prove. I don't care if he has eight sacks tomorrow. He proves nothing to me in the preseason. This team's got to come out of the preseason healthy. The one group that does need to play is the offensive line because that needs to be a cohesive unit, and that unit's what's going to keep the quarterback cup right and the running game to Coach Gruden is too in love with, you know, churning is going to be the offensive line. So if there's any group of starters that probably should play a little more, I would say it would be the offensive line. As far as the defense, you know my story, JT. I'm tired of hearing all the passing the buck on the coordinator. I think it's Gruden and Mayock covering their ass because of the players they brought in. I don't buy that crap about the players lining up incorrectly. If I had a dollar for every time a defensive back gave up a pass right over his helmet because he didn't know how to turn and find the football, it'll be the first. I mean, I'd be a millionaire. You know, Paul Gunther never had a defense that finished lower than the top ten in Cincinnati. I don't believe he got dumb overnight. Name me a Raider beside guys like Cleveland Mack and Charles Woodson that went somewhere else and was great. It's not the system. It's the players. So I hope guys like Mooring and some of the new players they got step up. They should have as many as six new starters on defense, JT. That's going to turn this defense around. Not who's on the field calling the plays. I want to see a defensive back that can catch the ball when it's thrown to him. I want to see Yannick Ngakwe live up to his contract, get to the quarterback. Now Max Crosby can be what he is, a fourth-round stud draft choice who's not the double-team guy because Ngakwe is going to be the double-team guy, and it's going to turn Mad Max loose. That being said, I'm taping the game tomorrow. I told you last night I'm going to a concert. I'll watch some of it when I get home, but I'm glad for Raider football. But again, JT, of utmost performance, no players on the field is going to be more important than health. The most important ability is availability, and if we got to suffer a little bit in the first game or maybe the timing's not off, 
I'd rather see that than lose a player of all-pro caliber or a really good player for the entire year. Enjoy your time tomorrow, JT, and fans that are going to the game. It's been a long time coming, a year of COVID. Enjoy the pre-grand opening, and I'll see you in Vegas one month from today, my brother, when they really open up against Baltimore. Thank you, my friend. Have a great weekend. That's Chris in West Oakland. I think they're having a contest here at the station for a co-host. Why? Just, just hire Chris. Have him host his own show. That guy can host a radio show. He is incredible. Yeah, that's his expectations. He never he missed one Oakland game ever, and he doesn't take the preseason that seriously. Here in Vegas, you have to because the tickets are very expensive. We knew that. It's brand new. And these are not the type of tickets you want to leave at home and no one wants to grab them and you just waste them. These are the tickets that you want to make sure you hand off to someone if you can't go. Oakland, you know, I've done well over a decade of TV sidelines in the preseason. In some games, you'd look up, and I'd be on the sidelines doing the opening of the broadcast, and it'd be an unbelievable overhead shot of the Bay Bridge. they throw it to me. The broadcast opened, and I look up, and it was like 4,000 people there at the very beginning of the game. And then people would fill up because everybody was tailgating. In Oakland, everybody was tailgating for the preseason. No rush to get inside. But here it's different. Here it's pretty hot. You want to get inside. You want to see the stadium. You want to get to your seats and then walk around and then view the rest of the stadium and have that type of experience here. But it's going to be great. And as he said, availability is going to be key because we went through all of Coach Gruden's press conferences last year, and they were rough. They were rough with all the guys that were out. Ruggs is out to COVID. Jonathan Abram, out for COVID. Go down the list. Everybody's out for COVID. The offensive line going into Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. The entire offensive line out for COVID. Couldn't practice that week. We can't have that. The Delta variant is real. Vegas is a really bad spot for COVID because we have people come here who don't care. They treat this city like a hotel room and trash it, and then they go home. Non-vaccinated. We got to be smart around here. You know that New Orleans is the first NFL team that says you're not coming in without your vaccination card or a negative test. I have no idea what they're going to do in Vegas. No idea what the governor is going to do, what's going to happen here down the road. But we need everybody to act accordingly and get this Delta variant down. And as Coach Gruden said, kill the virus because we got the best stadium in football. Again, I always say that against the Chargers because the Chargers don't have a stadium. They rent it for like a dollar from, from the Rams. They're like the Clippers renting from the Lakers. And SoFi is supposed to be the gold standard, but it's in Englewood. And I ain't going to Englewood. I wouldn't live in Englewood. I wouldn't go there. I live in Vegas. So that gives us a head up on everybody. Uh, Marty in San Bernardino, you're up next. Raider Nation Radio. Hello, Marty. Come on, Marty. Talk. Go ahead. Put, put, turn the radio down. Go ahead, Marty. Marty isn't ready for the radio show. My number one pet peeve. My all-time number one pet peeve. It's not politics. It's not the weather. It's callers who aren't ready. You put Chris from West Oakland up first, it's a good and a bad thing. It intimidates other people. <laughs> Let's go. Let's jump in. Get the phones popping. It's Friday. I'm here. I'm live. It's not Memorex. And we'll get you going. Mark in Henderson, right outside the gates of the Raiders headquarters. How are you, Mark? Hey, how you doing, JT, man? Great uh, uh, segue to my call, man. You, you hit it on the head, man. Let's, let's kill this virus and keep going. Hey, I'm going to the game on Saturday, so 
Uh, I'll be sitting at uh, like 415, row five. I'll be up nosebleeds with my nice. brothers. They're, they're coming to town. So it's going to be great, man. And uh, my brother just picked up uh, uh, the rental car in San Diego, man, at the airport. And the guy there at the Enterprise said, hey, hey, uh, man, we're renting a lot of cars. Everybody's going to Vegas. What's going on? He said, oh, no, we got the Raider games this weekend. He goes, oh, right. I was just there two weeks ago. Everybody's coming to Vegas for the game. Hey, how much did that? Uh, hold on a second. How much did that rent a car cost? I rented a car in Canton. It sat in front of my hotel because I don't drink and drive. I paid four hundred bucks for a car to sit in front of my hotel. At least you get to drive it from San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But while my brother's coming, I'll, I'll ask him when he gets when he gets yeah. there how much he pays. I'm in Vegas already. I, I live here. You know, huge Raider fan ever since my brother plays against Marcus Allen. I went to high school with Lincoln Kennedy, so. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait, JT, man. And, and I hope that I see you at the game, man. I don't know if you're going to be out there yep. tailgating or walking around, or at least in the stadium. Uh, I would love to meet you, man. I'll flag you down and say, hey, this is Raider Mark from Henderson, man. You'll be, you'll, you'll I look forward man. to it. I'm going to be up. Right, I'm going to be doing – appreciate the call. I got the pregame show. I'll be a part of the ribbon-cutting ceremony. I'm going to be swamped for this game. I'm going to be there at 2 o'clock for a 6 o'clock game, and then we got some things happening during the game on the broadcast. Hey, everybody, you should be excited. Again, Beth Moans is here in the building. Matt Millen. Matt Millen's in the building. One of my all-time favorite football players, on top of being a Raider. And Rich Gannon has been here for a couple of days as they're on the broadcast. I'll be a part of the broadcast in a small way. I'm doing the pre and post with Eric Allen. And you can catch that on Compass and find it right here on Raider Nation Radio. I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about Modelo. You know that. Even though we have a game tomorrow, I will enjoy a bucket of Modelos after the show because I treat myself after a good week to Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, brewed as a model of what good beer should be. My bucket of Modelos coming up in less than two hours and breaking news in less than 24 hours. I'm an empty nester. My wife's driving the boys to college, one to ASU. Then she spends the night and then drives to Oklahoma to drop off the vehicle with the other. Tonight's going to be an emotional night for my wife and I. Our youngest is going off to college tomorrow. My oldest is going up for his junior year. And the empty nesting begins. I don't like it. I like when my sons are around. But uh, you let them go, right? You let them go. It'll be good. They'll come back for a couple of Raider games here and there. And uh, hopefully Thanksgiving will come quickly because the Raiders are playing on Thanksgiving. A couple of things coming up. Next, Dave Softy Mahler, one of the great sports talk hosts who covers the Seahawks. We'll get an update on everything in Seattle. Seattle's been struggling with some contracts. We'll get some contract status update and find out what's happening there. We'll preview the Seahawks like we're going to preview every team the Raiders play against this year as we head into the preseason and the regular season. Dave Softy Mahler coming up, and also my rant from last night on the Yankees and me getting my guts ripped out at the Field of Dreams, which was a field of nightmares. One of the greatest Yankee collapses of my life, of my entire life, happened in the regular season. You got to hear my two minutes of insanity last night. I'm still recovering. Live from inside the Raiders headquarters in Henderson, here we go, JT. The pitch is hit in the air. Deep to right. That ball is gone. White Sox win. The field of dreams. 
That is White Sox Radio. As you know, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. Diehard. And I've seen all great moments in Yankee history and low moments in my lifetime. Over 50 years being a Yankee fan, I'm a diehard. So I'm watching that Field the Dreams game last night as I'm on the radio hosting my Mad Dog show. So what's interesting on radio is the Fox, the game was on Fox, Big Fox. And I'm watching it, but we were able to get the live feed about 15 seconds before the TV feed. That's how it works on radio. So we had the live feed that we were going to. So I was saying, all right, let's go to Field the Dreams in Iowa. Let's lock in with the game. And then, boom, we'd take the live feed before it came on TV. So I knew that the Yankees lost before the TV audience did. And I lost my bleep in mind. It was one of the worst losses as a Yankee fan of all time because it happened in Iowa in a cornfield. Not at Yankee Stadium. It didn't happen in Chicago. It happened in a cornfield where the Yankees scored four in the top of the ninth to take the lead on Judge and Stanton home runs. So I was jumping up and down. I was so happy until they lost the game. And here was my instant reaction. This team finds every way to lose. Cranky Yankee. I cannot believe the Yankees just lost that game. It could have been the biggest win of the year. Two home runs and the Yankees lose because Britain can't get it done. He walks a runner with a one and two count and then a game winning home run, which would have been a game tying home run and the Yankees lose at the field of dreams. You've got to be blanking me. You've got to be blanking me that this just happened on my watch. This is the 2021 New York Yankees. Every way you could choke, you choke in dramatic fashion. In Iowa, Yankee fans around the world are embarrassed tonight. In Iowa, where the Yankees could have had one of the greatest comebacks they've ever had because it would have been at the Field of Dreams where no one's played a game. Get the blank out of here. The Yankees lose. Britain gets the loss. And the Yankees have an epic collapse again. I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe that this is possible. As I said earlier in the game tonight, you fire Aaron Boone and you leave him in the cornfield for the children of the corn to find him. You leave him in the cornfield and you send out a search party tomorrow with the children of the corn and you have him go and you go look for Aaron Boone tomorrow. You drop Aaron Boone off in the middle of a cornfield and you have him get lost and in the morning you send out the children of the corn to go look for him. This is unacceptable. You can't lose this way. It's impossible to lose this way. It's impossible to lose on a ball that ends up in the corn after Stanton and Judge both homered for the Yankees. I have seen it all in my lifetime as a Yankee fan. I have seen it all from Chris Chambliss's walk-off to the great moments in Yankee history to the Jeter dynasty to Luis Gonzalez in the blue base hit off of Mariano Rivera. I've seen it all. But I have never seen anything like this. This isn't a field of dreams. This is a field of nightmares. That was my field of nightmare last night. So when I leave you on Raider Nation Radio, I have another job. And that one just destroyed me last night. And usually my dad takes a walk around the block. My dad who grew up going to Yankee games. When that happens, he leaves the house and walks around the block. That's what he does. And I couldn't do that last night because I was on the radio. So I wanted to share that with you. 
as I bring in my first guest today, Dave Softy Mahler. Softy from KJR jumps on board in Seattle as Seattle comes to Vegas to take on the Raiders. And a lot's happening there. Softy, thanks for coming on. Let's first begin. What's the update from the 206 on Alden Smith? Well, the update is that it was a non-football reason why he was cut, and we had Tom Pellicero on the radio show from the NFL Network, and he was glowing about Alden Smith, as were most reporters that cover the team, that if he was going to make the team, he was going to play. Uh, he wasn't going to be just some uh, figurehead that would just uh, you know, be a situational guy. He was actually going to have an impact on the football team. So I don't know what happened, dude. I mean, you can't trust the guy, obviously, as far as you can throw him. He's had all kinds of problems in his career. He doesn't deserve a second chance uh, from anybody at this point. Uh, and that would be a, you know, even like an eighth or a ninth chance, to be honest with you. So I'm not surprised it happened like this, but nobody knows why. It could be from a previous incident that they're just finding out now more details. Something else may have happened over the week uh, that we're not aware of, but not surprised it turned out like this. Uh, feel bad for him. Feel bad for the Hawks because they were hoping he was going to make the team and be a decent part of their pass rush, and now he's gone. Now they're left with a bunch of guys that the average fan has never heard of. I mean, L.J. Collier, Alton Robinson, Daryl Taylor, uh, who are all kind of waiting to make an impact on the football team. Jordan Brooks at linebacker. You know Carlos Dunlap, and you may know Kerry Hyder from the Niners, but outside of that, there really isn't much household name recognition here. So there's a reason why they brought him in in the first place, J.T., and now he's gone. Softy joins us from KJR. So let's talk about first the contract, two of them, Dwayne Brown and Jamal Adams. I want to save Jamal Adams. Dwayne Brown and his impact on this team, and would Russell Wilson need to restructure? What's the holdup with that deal? Well, Russell's willing to restructure, but if he does restructure, it's going to blow his salary cap number to kingdom come uh, in 2022 and 2023. It would be over $40 million next year and then $45 million the year beyond that. So they're trying to manage those cap numbers. If they do renegotiate his deal and convert that money into a bonus, they, they pay for it down the road. Uh, there's a reason why teams don't do that, because they don't want those gigantic cap numbers. So they're trying to avoid that if they can. The latest is the Times, uh, the Seattle Times reporting that uh, there's a a huge stalemate between the two of them uh, with uh, with Jamal Adams and uh, and the Seahawks and then Dwayne Brown wants a new deal and he's not even getting any love he's not getting he's not even getting a sniff right now from the Seahawks to be honest with you and let's not forget how they got Dwayne Brown four years ago in the first place remember he he skipped out on the first five or six Texan games finally plays a game and they trade him the next day to the Seahawks so he's held out before maybe he'll hold out again Jamal Adams, to me, is one of the best players athletically, physically, that I've seen at the safety position in a long time. Just got back from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There's only a handful of safeties that have that type of skill set. But I knew when this deal went down and you talked about the two first-round picks, they would have to lock him up long-term. He's an alpha. He's got a big ego. Uh, How is he handling this? Because a lot of people that I see nationally are saying, hey, the deal's going to get done eventually, especially Pete Carroll being a defensive-minded coach. Yeah. Yeah, I think it gets done, but I think the issue is what does Jamal think of himself as? Is being the highest-paid safety in the history of the NFL – is that enough for him? And honestly, I, I don't know if it is. Uh, I'm telling you right now, the Hawks have made him an offer to make him the highest paid safety in the NFL. And as of right now, that's not enough. You know, the average annual per year may make him the highest paid, but he may be looking for a little bit more money 
and guarantees and everything we're hearing right now is that both sides are kind of dug in. And, you know, look, man, I mean, I, I, I would agree with you that he's got a great skill set, but he also blitzes more than any other safety in the NFL. And it's not even close. So there, there's a reason why he gets all those sacks, because the Seahawks sent him, you know, 95, 100 times a year ago. He's not a very good pass cover safety. He's not great in coverage. Uh, he's an okay tackler. What he does is get after the quarterback. And when he doesn't get home on those blitzes, the Seahawks' defense is in trouble. So if they're going to justify paying Jamal Adams to be the highest-paid safety in the NFL, they're going to have to get even more help at corner, and they're going to have to get even more help on the defensive line so they don't have to blitz him as much as they did a year ago. They're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul in some ways when they do that. So I don't know. I mean, I think he's a really good player. Is he Is he one of the all-time great elite safeties in the history of the NFL? NFL. I don't think that's the case. Is he worth being the highest paid safety in the NFL? Probably, but what does he think of himself as? Again, does he think of himself as just a safety? Or does Jamal Adams think of himself as this hybrid weapon that the NFL has never seen? Like Jimmy Graham wanted to be paid as a wide receiver when he was splitting out at the X most of the time in New Orleans, and he ended up getting paid as a tight end and lost that battle. So, you know, Jamal Adams, again, JT, he may think of himself as more than just a safety, and if that's the case and he's dug in with that attitude, this could be going on for a while. Dave Softy Maller, KJR in Seattle. Does he like Seattle? Is he happy to be there? Is he a guy that's going to, you know, stay there once he gets his deal, yeah. love it there? Is, is he a Legion of Boom type guy? Tell me about him. I, I think he likes wherever the money is, just like all yeah. these guys. I, I, I think he'll like it in Vegas. He'll like it in Seattle. He'd like it in Mexico. He'd like it in North Korea <laughs> if he was getting the money he was looking for. So I, I think that's what all this is about is money. I mean, you know, Seattle, great, fine, whatever. Yeah, we have our problems like any other major American city. Maybe a few more issues in the downtown core than most places do with our ridiculous city council, but don't get me going off on politics, please. I'm not in the mood for it right now. I, I just think in the end, that these guys got to figure out how far they want to go to placate this guy. And is he willing to miss games? You know, is he willing to sit out and, and miss, you know, $500,000 a game to get what he's looking for? So I don't know him well enough to tell you, JT, if he's willing to do something like that. I would think it'd be colossally stupid, though, on his part to give up that kind of cash. But in the end, the Seahawks, like you said, when they made the move for him a year ago, they knew what they were getting into. They knew they would have to have a negotiation with him literally the minute his first year in a Seahawk uniform was over, and that's what's going on. Softies, our guests, you were the calm in the storm in the Pacific Northwest when people were rumbling about Russell Wilson possibly having other teams that he'd be willing to be traded to. You told me nonsense on this broadcast, not a big deal, and now all of a sudden there's a beautiful love and peace for Sierra and Russell Wilson. Do they love the team? Does he love this offensive line? Is he happy now? Well, they made one move, and they went out and got Gabe Jackson from the Raiders, who, as you know, played left guard for for the Raiders a year ago, and now he's playing right guard in Seattle because they moved Damian Lewis over to left guard. I mean, look, you know, on the surface, they didn't do a lot with the offensive line. On the surface, it's the same offensive line that they had a year ago, you know, minus uh, Mike Upati and uh, the addition of Gabe Jackson. So uh, is, is Gabe Jackson that good of a player where he can make w- that offensive line that much better on his own? I think Gabe Jackson's a really good player. Player, but is he an elite guard? Is he a Quentin Nelson guard? I don't think he's that good. 
And if they really thought he was that good, they probably would have kept him at left guard. But they're moving the second-year guy, Damian Lewis, again, over from right guard to left guard. So the offensive line is pretty much the same. Look, the difference is going to be the offensive coordinator, man. I mean, Shane Waldron is 41 years old. He's never called a damn play in the NFL. Uh, Pete Carroll is turning over the offense to a kid who has never called a play in the NFL. And he's the one that's going to have to be responsible for keeping Russell Wilson upright. He's the one that's going to have to be responsible for making sure Russell Wilson doesn't get hit, and if he can pull it off, then Shane Waldron is going to be the next great young head coach to be hired, just like his boss was, Sean McVay, when he got the job with the Rams. So I think people are getting this all wrong. I think the big key for this Seahawks football team this year is the new kid, Colin Plays, not Gabe Jackson, Russell Wilson, or anybody else they signed over the offseason. DK Metcalf, you've seen them all play up there, and especially since the new stadium was built, and his ability, yeah. if, if he's not doubled, and they line him up wide or they put him in motion. What an insane football player. How much better is he getting? What is his ceiling like, especially with that body, his health overall? Yeah. The sky's the limit. Well, I think, I think his, his, the ceiling is, I mean, you're talking about hopefully the next Megatron. I mean, right? That, yeah. That's what you're talking about. I mean, you look at the guy's frame, 6'5", 225, 230 pounds, and, you know, he, he runs a four four forty. I mean, I mean, the guy's a maniac, right? He's a physical specimen, for God's sakes. Think about me with my shirt off. He's the exact opposite of, <laughs> of me with my shirt off. The guy's like a freaking cement block, for God, crying out loud. When he went to the combine, there were rumors he had like 1%, 2% body fat, which I'm not even sure if that's possible for a guy to have that low of a body fat number, but that's the ceiling is for him to be in that Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson category. Uh, can he do it consistently with the hands? You know, he can go out and win the 50-50 ball. We know the guy can get separation, but can he, can he consistently catch the contested passes? He doesn't have the greatest hands in the world. Can that be worked on? Yes. Can that be improved? Yes. And in the end, he's so damn big and he's so stinking and fast that it may not really even matter. So I think you're talking about a guy who every year should be good for 13, 1,400 yards and double-digit touchdowns every single season. Dave Softy Maller, last football question. The Hawks were 12-4 and four last year. Yep. People forget the Niners were 6-10. and 10. Uh, The Niners really struggled. Everybody expect that the Niners, with all the injuries, to be back. And I think clearly better than 6-10. and 10. The love affair yeah. with the Rams out west yeah. is almost sickening to me. Everybody thinks the Chargers and the Rams every year are going to meet in the Super Bowl. I don't okay. see the Hawks at 12-4. and four. There's an added game this year. Handicap right. the division here and what you think the Seahawks have to do to win the NFC West again. I think it's the toughest division in the NFC, and it's not even close, and I can see all four teams making the playoffs because now you have the seventh team in the, in the, in the playoffs, and I, I can see all four of these wow. teams making the postseason for the first time in the history of the NFL. I mean, look, dude, in the end, the Rams may have the best shot only because they've got the best offensive line, and I think they have the best defensive line uh, in the NFC West. Uh, the Cardinals, I I'm just not buying it until I see it out of them. You know, I think Cliff Kingsbury – is going to be on the hot seat with this J.J. Watt signing, and they're putting a lot of pressure on him with a 30-plus-year-old, way north of 30-plus-year-old defensive end who may not or may not be healthy this year. So, you know, Kyler Murray, he's got, he's got two years left on his rookie deal, three years if you include the fifth-year option. they got to win now with that guy. they got to do what the Hawks did when they won with Russell Wilson in his second year and went back to the Super Bowl and should have won the freaking thing in his third year. So they've got to take advantage of that window right now. And the Niners, you know, look, man, I mean, 
I just find it hard to believe they're as good defensively as they were a couple years ago when they played Baltimore in the Super Bowl, you know, or the, uh, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. People forget that, that that defense was really, really, really good, and a lot of those guys are now gone, including Richard Sherman, who's walking the street as a free agent. So they were all about running the ball and playing great defense and being really economical at quarterback, and now you saw what they think of their quarterback because they gave up on the guy. I mean, I don't give a damn if he starts this year or not. They gave up on Jimmy Garoppolo when they drafted Trey Lance. So he's probably auditioning for somebody else. Hell, maybe he's auditioning to go back to New England, but I just don't see it in San Francisco. I'm, I'm not buying that defense. It's anywhere near as good as they were two years ago. And the Kraken, you got to be thrilled. The draft is over. The hype was there. The uniforms, season tickets, the arena being built, all of it. How great is it to have hockey back there in Seattle? It's going to be great just to have a stinking arena and a winter sport. We haven't had one in 13 years in Seattle since 2007, actually. 2008 was the year they took off and went to Oklahoma City. So to have a winter sport, to have something to do, because let's be honest with you, man, things get kind of gloomy in Seattle. It rains a lot. The rumors are true. It gets dark very early up here. You can't play golf because the weather sucks and the courses are frozen solid or muddy as hell. So to have a, a, a place like Climate Pledge Arena, to go watch a bunch of concerts, which they're already booking, and go watch the freaking hockey team and hopefully very, very soon get the NBA back. It just feels like the Seattle sports resume is complete again with the Kraken and that the Sonics are following. I mean, Tim Laiwiki and Todd Laiwiki, Todd is the former president of the Seahawks, by the way, and you know the job that Tim's done in the NBA. They haven't been shy at all, dude, about talking about the NBA. Usually the guy that's bringing you a hockey team says, hey, do me a favor, focus on the damn hockey team, will you? For crying out loud, I worked my ass off to give you a stick and hockey team. Can you just be happy with that? They're the ones that keep talking about the NBA. They're the ones that keep reminding us that the NBA is going to come. The NBA will be here. We promise you the NBA is going to come. So it really is amazing how confident they are in that regard. And, you know, from, a, from an NBA perspective, you know, having an expansion team, uh, Vegas, Seattle, whatever, they lost a buttload of money in the last year and a half. What's the best way to raise capital? Sell two franchises for a combined $4, million, $4 billion. That's how you do it. Way to go, Softy. Thanks for making this happen. Appreciate you. I'll see you soon. All right, buddy. See you, bye. Dave Softy Mahler. Is there anybody better than that? That is a Seahawk breakdown. And the Seahawks got contract issues. But Russell Wilson's still there, and that's the big takeaway. He's still there. How about him? Softy trash in Seattle. They haven't had a winter sport in 13 years. They ripped the NBA out of there, and now they finally get some hockey. I keep telling you about Five Iron Golf. I'll be there tonight. The pre in, uh, premier indoor golf facility at Area 15. Eight simulators giving you access to play the world's best golf courses. All while enjoying drinks, food, and fun. Sign up for their leagues. They have leagues right now. FiveIronGolf.com slash leagues. Tell them JT sent you. You'll get $100 off. Call them now. Five Iron Golf. When we come back, we'll preview the next hour. Hopefully, Rich Gannon or Matt Millen will come in. Jerry Coleman from Baltimore to preview the Ravens because the Ravens have a lot of injuries. Will those injuries get cleaned up in the next month? Or will Baltimore come into Vegas, the walking wounded? We don't know. We'll talk to an expert, the guy who asked the tough questions of Lamar Jackson. JT from the facility in Henderson right here on Raider Nation Radio. Raider Nation Radio.